Blog Talk Radio. Efforts. 
Revolution than the 2000, and then all through the Bush years and all the anti-war movements and the nuclear power movements and the, um, all of that. I mean, just just uh, so many things that we did Lila, through those years. We were very excited to work in Connecticut with the anti-nuclear movement, yeah. and um, which was spearheaded by Joe Bassade, yeah. who was a very very dear friend of ours. And um, he had a lot of energy, and we worked with him for a few years until he passed away, which was a very sad event for his family and for Leo and myself, who were very fond of him. Well, we had a, um, 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 but going going back a number of years, I mean, there's there's so many friends and uh, people who passed away already, and uh, mm-hmm. over the years, I'd like to note note them or our friend. Um, you know, Bill Marshall, mm-hmm. who was our uh, show astrologer on our FM program, and uh, for uh, up until he passed away in 2007, and uh, George Dixon, the, yep. the great, the great, the late George Dixon. <coughs> uh, now George was instrumental in our internet show. Oh yeah, Because absolutely. you know we and had him on Friday regularly night. Friday nights, and he was just a fund of information. And Leo keeps in touch with his family, and um, they're wonderful people. And we all miss George. He was, he, we were very close to him. Well, if you go to if you go to my website, uh, the lastillshow.org, there's a section on the menu that's called the Friday Night with George Dixon. Those are his programs. Um, that um, that um, all the programs that we did with him, mm-hmm. there's several hundred um, programs. And um, yeah, they're all there. And we miss those and you, three under people. That, under that title, and uh, you know, it was funny. I heard uh, uh, was it this weekend from George's sister? Oh, Jackie. That uh, she mentioned it on Facebook that she was listening <coughs> to the old shows, uh, the old Friday night with George Dixon. Ah, uh, nice. And she really enjoyed it. They were twins. Yeah. So they were extraordinarily close. So it's nice for her to be able to hear her brother. Yeah, they do. Uh, There's more stuff that I I have to put up there that I found. There's other shows that were... Important. um, Yeah. Uh, But anyway... We did so many. We did over 200 programs with George. Anyway, those three people were very important in uh, in our lives personally as well as in our shows either our FM show, the Internet show, or um, our cable access. So, yeah, yeah. And we miss, uh, we miss Joe Bassade, we miss Bill Marshall, and we miss George Dixon enormously. So you, some people you just can't replace. They're irreplaceable, and we think about them, and we want people to know that. They were great people. Yeah, and um, I gave a tribute to them in, the, in my book, um, Thank it at the mic. A survival of the liberal in time apparel, which you can read, get at Amazon. Just go to my go to the site, lastoolshow.org, and press on uh, the book. Uh, One and, uh, <coughs> the book, and you'll go right to Amazon. Another See. person that's been with us a long time is Larry Dorman. And oh yeah, this is Union Night too. And this is and this is Union Night, and he is the public affairs coordinator of the ASME Union. Oh. And um, he's just a great guy, too. And we're lucky to continue a relationship with him. It's really important to us. He Maybe comes on whenever he can. He could, he'll be on next month, uh, probably next week. But we he's very do, uh, busy. He's trying to... Ex- it's been a, you know, it's been a year since his uh, daughter passed away. and, and uh, That was uh, very, very difficult. His yeah. daughter, uh, Caroline, passed away, and they founded a charity for her. And she was very interested in animals and pets. She was a very caring well, person. Yeah, you can, you know, there's, you, you can um, donate you can donate to the uh, SPCA, I believe it is. Mm-hmm. Uh, in her name, and her name is Caroline Dorman. Caroline Dorman, and uh, D O R M A N. And um, so we don't know, want to forget. The SP, uh, you know, the SPCA. So we don't want to forget her and the fact that there's a charity in her name. I know that um, that's very important. We care about well, people, does, but we care know, about animals that, too. But you know, Larry, Larry's been a part of our show, God, for uh, forever. It seems for ten years. Or more, he's, 
started with greatly. Us. He started with us <coughs> on the FM show mm-hmm. as a uh, you know with the union and they, as a they, contributor. They sponsored our our show and it was uh, uh, he's been with us since 2004. That's actually, a long time. I mean, so 12 years that we've had um, we've we've been talking to Larry, you know, and that's uh, that's a long time. And I'd also like to mention a little something about John Brennan. Oh my God! Yeah. And yeah, yeah, Andy. Yeah. Well, we, let's, so let's, let's mention John. Uh, John Brennan, uh, our good buddy. Uh, um, he's uh, he, he he was a he was a special reporter. We you probably anybody following this show has probably heard him. Uh, in fact, he was on uh, the other night. Uh, he called in. But um, he used to be a special reporter for us on the FM show, and uh, he did some work with us on the Internet show. But he uh, he, he was a very, um, very, very involved with, um, with the chemtrail movement, um, you know, and exposing that and well, bringing, let me, bringing let me, it to our attention Yeah, as let well. me tell a little bit of background. John grew up in Ireland, and he was very interested in the environment there. His family had a farm. He was an out- and, and a landscaping business, and he was an outdoor guy. He then came to this country, and he's he's the kind of guy that likes to be outside, so he's always worked outside. So he has a great respect for the environment and for issues around the environment. He uh, certainly chemtrails, chemical spray. It's the bane of his existence, to, you know, and ours to see uh, the uh, see see the chemtrail. Uh, issues that have that have plagued our skies for 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 nineteen ninety eight yeah basically is when they started uh, massive global uh, aerosol spraying um, and um, of uh, <coughs> aluminum me, aluminum and barium yeah so he's he's been a He's been a great contributor to our show, and there was also yeah, he's tried, but let me just say okay. he's tried he's tried very hard to uh, uh, in many years for many years he was uh, an activist and tried to he still is and tried to um, make a difference make, in that ma- area. Notice, make people understand and look up and see the skies, see, see the chemtrails, you know, see what they are, you know. And he's been on a lot of a lot of uh, arguments and a lot of uh, debates, debates, uh, public debates, <coughs> and. Uh, we uh, we appreciate his his, uh, his friendship and his long time, long commitment to uh, environmental issues, but we wanted to uh, and also Andy Sewell, Andy who, Sewell. who was Agent Nine One One. If you remember, we used to interview him anonymously about the Nine Eleven well, issues. It, Andy was um, um, and he was great. He did a, he well, was no, a great back contributor. In, back in two thousand and. Uh, <laughs> 2004, no, 2003. Yeah, March 4th, 2003. That's when that's when our show first began <coughs> on uh, on uh, FM radio. Mm-hmm. And uh, we and uh, Andy Andy was, uh, was 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 very knowledgeable about the 911 uh, investigation and and uh, he what was kept going us on. posted on that. And we were very involved uh, with that as well, and interviewed a uh, number of. And he was also yes. very interested in the chemtrails too, along with John. Yes, that yes. was another uh, but, uh, uh, area but, of interest. But uh, we had a segment on our show uh, every week at uh, at uh, 9/11 to uh, you know, and and for and, and he came on at 9 9:11 p.m. To talk about and it, and he left. He, and he stayed on for 11 minutes. That's right. All right, and uh, that was a feature of our show to talk about that, to yeah. bring that whole issue to the awareness of our listeners. And so. it was a very popular, uh, as well as as, as John mm-hmm. became. They became very popular. Um, I would guests, say all you know, of regulars. our all of our guests were very popular. Yeah, so was uh, and Bill. Bill was very. Uh, of course, everybody looked forward to Bill's predictions. Bill, Martin. which were pretty good, I have to say. He, he did a lot of political predictions, and they were very accurate. Oh yeah. And uh, I I can't imagine I would uh, he would have had a hell of a time in uh, predicting this one. Oh yeah, I wonder what I, he would have said. He probably would have had Trump, you know. Well, he was good. Well, he predicted Carter, and he predicted. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, whoever else was after Carter, and on and on and on. So he, 
he, he, he pretty much had it down astrologically. Yeah. Uh, these predictions yeah. that he did so many on our program. But anyway, I just wanted to mention those guys because we wouldn't be where we are today without our friendship with them, and um, and it was more than just sharing the same interest and issues. We were very dear friends with all of these people. And, you know, we miss but, them. No, yeah, we do. And uh, they, they're, um, um, I was looking, I was going back today uh, to look at some uh, some past shows we did in, uh, 10 years ago. And we happened to do a show on November 30th, 2006, mm-hmm. all right, which was our second or third show. And we had, we, we replayed um, the interview we did with, uh, with um, uh, Cass Ingram. Oh or, or yeah. Yeah, he, now he was a regular guest too, and we he loved was, but, having but, him but on. But this particular one was very was a rare interview because it was on his his, his book uh, Wrongly Blamed, mm-hmm. where uh, and it was a nine one one expose of the of the Israeli Mossad and um, how they were involved with the uh, with the was the blow up of the nine one one, yeah. Mm-hmm. And uh of the towers. And explain a number of things that uh you know um uh, number of number of uh uh different um <coughs> a number of different uh, uh, uh plots mm-hmm. you know that uh, that were uh, everybody knew about or uh, that became publicly known that were also Mossad. Mm-hmm. And he was trying and wrongly blamed uh he's saying that the Muslims were wrongly blamed. I don't think they were wrongly blamed, but I don't think they were. There were everybody was completely. Um, there was a lot of manipulation <coughs> there. Oh, yeah. We don't really know what the truth is. <coughs> but well, anyway. basically, we do. But you know, it, 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 I don't uh, think we know what the real truth is. We'll never know because they've hidden so much. That's no, true. Nobody tells the truth. They we have. Um, well, they came out. You know, it's funny how they came out with a twenty-eight. Um, <coughs> 28 pages that were taken out of the uh, 911 investigation, uh, which implicated the Saudis. Yeah. And uh, and and then Trump got kind of mad about it while he was campaigning and said he wanted he, he wanted he to see those. And now that he's seen it, I wonder what he's going to do about it. You know, if, if that. We've like, had a whole revisionist history. We yeah. don't know what the truth is. But the biggest the biggest problem was that I saw the biggest conflict with Hillary Clinton and the Clinton Foundation was that they accepted over $25 million from the Saudis, okay, uh, basically in hush money, but also to, uh, to, to uh, 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 funnel, uh, you know, and... and uh, by favor. Uh, by favor with the State Department, mm-hmm. all right? And in so doing, keeping their silence and keeping the taps on the on the involvement of 9/11 and the Saudi regime. Right. Once once it, once uh, Hillary lost. Uh, I hope all those, bets are off. Once she lost, then those public then those uh, papers were published, and uh, you know. So now, uh, I want to know what Trump's going to do about it. I want to know what he's going to do about a lot of stuff. I want to know if he's going to prosecute Hillary at all. He said no. He said no, but. Uh, if Maybe he won't, but the State Department might. They said if there's grounds for it and Sessions is going to be part of it, I don't know how friendly he is with, with her. But uh, They all seem to be friendly. If he becomes the Attorney General, then, uh, you know, he'll be the one that will be Responsible pursuing, for yeah, pursuing that. Well, let's move on to so anyway, the current news. Yeah. But anyway, I wanted, just wanted to say that we get so much stuff that we that we did over the years, and so many guests, and so many interviews that we did, thousands, virtually thousands. Well, we're moving on to another one. Let's uh, go here. See uh, what the news and the views are today. So, yeah. um, Speaking of Larry, uh, he... uh, Did he send us over something? He sent us over uh, his updates, and and there's a a particularly um, difficult... difficult, um, Well, a particularly... uh, He sent that one? Yeah. That's scary. Uh, uh, tough, tough, uh, tough article it about says, unions. And it, it says, says uh, America's labor unions are about to die. Yeah. It says uh, uh, Tiffer. Uh, uh, Down here. Yeah, the decline of uh, the decline of organized labor, beginning in the late 1970s, 
has helped to give birth to the backlash that fueled Donald Trump's election. Labor's deterioration weakened worker protections, that's true, <coughs> kept wages stagnant, and caused income inequality to soar to the highest levels in over eight decades. It also made workers feel they needed a savior like Trump. In other words, his unlikely victory follows a straight line from the defeat of the Labor Reform Act of 1978 to the election of 2016. That bill would have modernized and empowered unions through more effective recognition procedures accompanied by enhanced power in negotiations. Instead, its death by filibuster became the beginning of their end. That's the Democrats' fault. Oh, yeah. It's a sad twist of irony that Trump's election and Republican dominance across the country may finally destroy once and for all the institution most responsible for working and middle-class prosperity. It will likely be a three-punch fight, ending with a fatal blow. The expansion of right-to-work laws across the country that would permanently empty the pockets of labor unions, eroding them of virtually all their collective solidarity. That's pretty scary. Yeah. And it says, how we got here. In 1980, union membership density stood at 23% of the force uh, of the workforce. Some 40 years later, just over 11% of American workers belonged to the unions. During the uh, same period, wealth inequality in the U.S. continued to accelerate largely on a social class basis. White men without college degrees reacted to their ongoing misery in 2016 with a political transformation unrivaled since Franklin Delano Roosevelt's electoral victory in uh, 1932. The election's post-mortem pundits offered differing explanations for Trump's victory, including racism, sexism, and the annuity of Hillary Clinton's supporters. A uh, popular narrative argues that deteriorating economic conditions provided the fuel for the Trump conflagration as it swept through the former Union strongholds of Pennsylvania, Michigan, and Wisconsin, and Ohio. Despite the enthusiasm of the working class supportive, <coughs> excuse me, Trump's economic policies would bring them a raw deal and not a new deal. Three key areas will play a crucial role in union and union diminution sorry, and workers' bargaining power during Trump's administration, with further declines in real hourly earnings. The first is regulatory. On his inauguration, Trump has the opportunity to appoint two new members to the National Labor Relations Board, now controlled by Obama appointees with administrative discretion to implement pro-labor decisions. With their new majority, Republican appointees will have a smorgasbord of past cases and regulations to repeal and replace. Trump's future replacements undoubtedly will promote a business-friendly agenda, and the board shift in emphasis will be immediately apparent. The second is the U.S. Supreme Court. If Trump fills the vacant seat with someone in the mold of the late Justice Antonin Scalia, the new court will likely uphold what, in my view, is the rickety constitutional theory of union dues put forth by Justice Samuel Alito in Knox v. CU. Alito's rule holds that public sector union members have a constitutional right to decline dues payments unless they consent to do so. Or in Alito's words, dues payers will be deemed to opt out of dues unless they opt in. In early 2016, the Fredericks versus California Teachers Association case, which would have mandated a constitutional right-to-work rule, stalled out with Scalia's defense, Scalia's demise, excuse me. But a similar case is moving through the lower federal court system that raises the matter once more. The litigation will eventually work its way back to the Supreme Court and the new Trump justice can affirm the undoing of public sector union dues. The third and most lethal blow against unions, along with board and court hostility, is the expansion of right-to-work laws as a byproduct of Trump's victory. Trump ran on a platform of making America great again by restoring incomes through innovation and deregulation. <coughs> the road ahead for 
right to work. Mm, scary. <clears throat> Trump's plan meshes perfectly with the ideology of right to work, which promotes itself as a tool of development and economic advancement, even though recent evidence shows the claim is dubious. Mm. 26 states have now enacted right-to-work laws which forbid compulsory payment of union dues by workers who are covered under collective bargaining agreements. Among other adverse uh, consequences, the laws, the laws create a free-rider problem uh, because under the exclusive representation doctrine, employees who do not pay dues must still receive the same wages, benefits, and protection as those who do, which I think is absurd, but that they've had that law for so many years. Mm -hmm. or Pratt and Whitney had it for his, was the, one of the first to have it. You know, um, and that was part of the, uh, mm -hmm. you know, part of uh, the Connecticut there and the United Tech. But um, uh, Republicans see, in Republicans the past. Republicans in the past election <coughs> a legislative trifecta in the states of Missouri, Canada, Kentucky, and Ohio, and New Hampshire. Those states are presently not right to work but such conditions will not long stand. In Missouri, Republican legislators said they expect to pass a right-to-work law that bars mandatory union fees early in 2017. An incoming GOP governor says he will sign it. And uh, this article is very, very long, and I, I suggest that, well, it's not that much longer, but uh, let, let me skip down to say where will it all end. Let's go to the last paragraph. The well, voters, well... Since the Taft-Hartley Act of 1947, class forces in this country have fought for supremacy over the political and economic machinery as Republicans attempt to roll back the consequences of the New Deal legislative revolution. Right-to-work figures, importantly, in the struggle between labor and capital. Right-to-work laws are statistically correlated with lower rate of union membership lower levels of human development, lower per capita incomes, lower levels of trust, and less progressive tax schemes. In short, the empire of right to work leans toward uh, further entrenching, entrenching, entrenching the power of corporations, uh, not the economic emancipation of American wage earners. The voters who brought Trump to the big dance would be the ones who will suffer when he leaves with his wealthy and glamorous friends. As an article in Fortune suggests, Trump's plan for deportation and broken trade agreements will, inflect, will inflict serious injury on the economy in general, and in particular on those industrial sectors that elect him. The rest of us will be collateral damage. And this was written by Raymond Hogier, or Hogier? Hogler. Hog, Hogler and he's a professor of management at Colorado State University. But, but you know, mm. maybe, but Colorado was the one that didn't, they didn't vote for him. Mm. <laughs> well, it doesn't mean this guy didn't. You don't know. No, no, or it did. No, we don't know. No, it, it, it probably didn't. But, you know, the problem... It's the hard pro to tell. We, he's yeah. not even begun doing anything yet. He's just appointing his cabinet. Some people are scared by some of his appointments. Oh, here's a here's a joke. This is gonna be a, a fun. This is gonna be fun. Connecticut is second best state to live in. Yeah, well, if you live in Greenwich. All the other states are better than us. We're just the second best state to live in. I guess. Low crime and high income make Connecticut the second best state to live in, according to a new survey by a financial. <coughs> we got an ad here. Get out of there, Dell, right here. Yeah. Continue, according to a new survey by a financial news website, the number two ranking comes from 24-7 Wall Street, which judged states based on social and economic conditions, including poverty, education, and health. Massachusetts was picked as the top state. I can see that. Quality of life in the U.S. is heavily dependent on financial status. 24-7 Wall Street said in a news release, as a consequence, the nation's best states to live in often report very high incomes. With a median household income of $71,346 a year, fifth highest of all states, Connecticut is the second best state to live in and an especially good example of this patent. The rankings were based on index looking at poverty rate. The percentage of adults who have at least a bachelor's degree and life expectancy at birth. The data comes from the U.S. Census, 
Centers for Disease Control and Prevention in the Bureau of Labor and Statistics. Connecticut had a poverty rate of 10.5%, sixth lowest, and a life expectancy of 80.4 years, second highest. The October unemployment rate was 5.1%. The state's 10-year population growth was 5.8%, and there were 219 violent crimes reported for every 100,000 state residents in 2015, according to the survey among the lowest rate in the country. Because you wouldn't know that, would you? No. Other top performing states include New Hampshire, number three, Minnesota, number four, New Jersey, number five. Mm. The worst state to live in, according to the survey, was Mississippi, which has the nation's highest poverty rate, 22%, and the lowest life expectancy, 74.5 years. While Connecticut often scores high in quality of life, like 24-7 Wall Street, it has fared much worse in surveys looking at the economic and business climate. Forbes ranked Connecticut number 43 in its list of best states for business, and the state received the same ranking in CNBC's America's Top States for Business. So we're a lousy state for business. Yeah. So it's just a bunch of wealthy people who live there here clipping, no, it's clipping, not us, though. I mean, clipping I coupons. Well, it's not us, but there's a lot of wealthy people around us. Yeah. They don't. They don't socialize with us. No, only because we we have an internet show now. Oh, was that why? <laughs> we were uh, we were <laughs> for a while. Uh, but anyway, Connecticut Democrats blast Trump's pick of price ahead. Uh, uh, Homeland. No. HHS. Uh, Health and Human Services. Health and Human Services. Yeah. Uh, I don't really said, uh, know, I don't much know much about him. So let's read a little bit about what um well, he's, he's supposedly the guy that, that, that uh, He criticized Obamacare, but yeah. I don't know if he ever had anything to put in his place. All right. Obamacare is probably toast and a lot of poor white Trump voters will get hurt by it. Trump vows to remove himself from business. Trump sets up private prison free. Trump sets up private prisons. Yes, not, I don't know if that's so good. Investment fund gets millions to stay in Connecticut. That's that's. Um, and public schools may not survive Trump's billionaire wrecking crew. I'm scared of that. Wanna wanna check out? Yeah, because I didn't like his education plan at all. Not for public schools. Oh, you know what? This is fun. The Guardian. That's a British paper. Mm-hmm. The Guardian is 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 one of the one of the top censored ones oh, okay. that they're going to censor for fake news. Oh really? Yeah, I love I love the fakers that are picking out the fake news articles. It's, uh, the fake news articles coming from the fakers. Donald the Trump, ones, a know, self-described billionaire, wants Air billionaire heiress Betsy DeVos to take over the Department of Ed. These two ultra-rich people have never attended public school nor have they sent their kids to them, yet they will likely accelerate the bipartisan dismantling of public education as we know it. Private foundations, billionaires, and Wall Street hedge fund managers have funneled billions of dollars either directly into the education system or the political process to influence policy. These groups are Russian, often staunch advocates of pro-market policies such as charter schools, and school vouchers, which allows parents to send their kids to private schools using public money. DeVos has been described as the four-star general of the voucher movement. If DeVos, you've t- taken yeah, if DeVos's nomination is improved, she will speed along the erosion of public education, which has been going on for some time. As I explained in my recent book, Schools on Trial, both the Obama and Bush administrations adopted a market-based approach. This was marketed, marked by privatization, austerity measures, expansion of privately managed charter schools, high-stakes standardized testing, school closures, value-added teacher evaluation, and attacks on teacher unions. The No Child Left Behind Act of 2001 and the Race to the Top program in 2009 were rooted in this ideology. Over the past two decades, as members of the ultra-wealthy right-wing DeVos family, Betsy and her husband Dick, have been discreetly using their immense fortune to underwrite many of the major local and state crusades to privatize public education. They must want to own it. 
There is little public appetite for neighborhood schools to be sold off and privatized. See the referendum victories in Massachusetts and Georgia against charter expansion in California, extension of tax hikes on the rich to fund education, the movement for black lives and the NAACP demanding a moratorium on public school closures and charter expansion, the thousands of parents who have opted their children out of tests and protests against corporate reforms. Unfortunately, the Obama years sowed the seeds for divorce to finish the task. Without well-organized resistance, it will happen. So the Democrats are again to blame. <coughs> not much of a party. Not much of the party of the people. So that's why they're not in office. That's, yeah, no, they, 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 they just for me. The Democrats have destroyed themselves. Yeah, they, they really they, have. The unions have destroyed themselves by, by supporting by the Democrats. Well, they couldn't likely support the Republicans, but they didn't put up their own people. No. Nope. You know, they didn't have their own people in there. Instead, they had prostitutes like Hillary Clinton, you know, and uh, Nancy Pelosi and all these other god-awful people they that, needed that, that sold out, their, sold out their, 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 their support. They didn't even support Bernie Sanders, who spoke their language. Mark, well, they didn't because they were using independent, and they, he, he wouldn't... Uh, but, of course, money corrupted him in the end, so he, yeah. he, he backed out. But I was shocked when they didn't support him. I get the biggest kick out of him running around trying to say, oh, yeah, yeah right. the are good, uh, yeah, 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 and then he's still an independent. You know? Yeah. Screw him with $100 million more in his jingle-jangle pockets there, you know? So what else do we have here, Leo? Yeah, anyway. That, that was just thought I'd read that. <clears throat> Funds get millions to stay in Connecticut. Yeah, we, we, I, it really makes me sick. To talk well, let's about read that. that. Well, they get you know the, the hedge fund. I don't know how many. There's probably not <coughs> that many people in that business there, but he wants to. Uh, Who did him. this? Malloy. Yeah, they're giving him 35 million dollars in financial aid as part of a broader move by the Connecticut government to persuade companies not to leave the state. Jeez. They're going to give him 35 million bucks to stay in the state. You know. Now, what are they going to give us? Billionaire investor Cliff Asness, a staunch libertarian who has railed against government intervention in health care and finance, yet his AQR capital management is set to receive $35 million in financial aid as part of a broader move by the Connecticut government oh. to persuade companies not to leave the state. The aid package, the aid package which was approved by the State Bond Commission this month, Includes loans and grants tied to conditions for jobs to be created. <coughs> Follows a similar $22 million offer made this year. I just I hate reading this because it's such because a Because you know in, in five years they'll sellout. say, we're not staying in Suez. Not only that, it's just a big freaking seller. Payoff you know, to these people. Yeah, you know. And, uh, Ridiculous. Yeah. It's just, you know, it's, it's, I, I just. That's pretty I, scary. I really, yeah. Yeah, this, this Malloy has provided no leadership. No, no, yes, no, very, very. He's just reactionary. Very poor, very, very poor. That's why I find it hard. Connecticut's the second best state to live in. Well, it is because you have I many, mean, you many, many wealthy people. Terrible, other terrible, terrible, horrible, terrible states there are in this country. I guess you have you have somebody terrible. earning sixteen million. And you average that with somebody who Maybe earns $24,000 a year, and then boom, it's done. It yeah. still looks pretty good, doesn't it? Not really. The average? I don't know how they can average Well, that's how they do it. Well, they do. I don't know how they average that. If you cut off Greenwich, Westport, all of that, and, and got rid of our, this, this area, area up here, yeah. we'd be looking at a third world country. That's how yeah. poor the rest of Connecticut is. And there are a few people like me sprinkled around through the rich areas not making a lot of money. Public schools. But feel pleased to be employed, I'll tell you that. Yeah. So anyway, that, that that was the union news for tonight. I just want to thank Larry again for his Well, it's that. nice of him to send that over. And I'm That's sure this is a pretty tough time of the year for him. Oh, yeah. Uh... Oh, here's a big one. John John sent this over to John John Brennan and I talked to you about. 
Yeah. Uh, used to report for us, but he uh, he sent this over to me today. It was fake news. CIA director admitted to U.S. Senate 400 agents dictate fake news to manipulate Americans for rogue state empire, easily documented as ongoing corporate media. This includes fake news to cover U.S. assassinations of President Kennedy, uh, Robert Kennedy, Martin Luther, Martin Luther King, all kinds of things. Let's see what it says. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. They, they, of course, they use fake news all over the place. And it's the main, it's the main guys that are doing the fake news, not the, not the guys like you and me. Okay, right there. Let's put that on. Don't trust. Censored CIA Illuminati fake news media propaganda exposed. Oh, we know that. Don't trust the corporate media. Fisher of men. Do you have any people House being paid by the CIA who are contributing to a major circulation American journal? We do have people who submit pieces to other two American journals. Do you have any people paid by the CIA who are working for television networks? This, I think, gets into the kind of uh, getting into the details, Mr. Chairman, that I'd like to get into in executive session. Hey, Anderson, we had a great interview last time. I was wondering if you get a chance to look into Operation Mockingbird? Uh, you know CNN, uh, Anderson Cooper, the CIA has 1970s official declassified program how the CIA infiltrated the mainstream media from the higher up. It's declassified. I read about it in college, yes, I do. Nice. Do you think it's something that could ha possibly be happening today? Oh. I have no comment for you. Thanks, dude. That was William, William Colby was before in a testimony in 1975. Mm -hmm. uh, he stated there there's are CIA operatives in the media. Yes, they are. FBI operatives are in the media. Um, they they're everywhere. They regulate everything. They're on Facebook. They're everywhere. They are. They're, they're, they're censored. And, and that's where your fake news is coming from, folks. That's right. It's not coming from guys like us. Dan Rather's account from November 25th, 1963. Yes. Uh, so to sell the lie, the President Kennedy's fatal headshot caused violent forward motion. Opposite to the fact his head was violently hit to cause backward motion. What really happened? Yeah. That's his, uh, Dan Rather's account of what happened. Which I don't know if you'll ever see here. It's buffering. Maybe not. Go to what really happened. Um, what really happened? Yeah, well, we might not find it. It's just a, it's just a blog. It's <coughs> kind of a, that's kind of a. All right. So anyway, uh, we got about ten minutes left. I wanted to read some uh, interesting stuff here. I'll get out of here, and uh, I'd like to read. CNN journalists, government pay us to fake news. <laughs> this is by uh, Newswire. But uh, it says, uh, CNN journalists, uh, according to Amber Lyon, a three-time Emmy Award-winning journalist, CNN is routinely paid by the U.S. government and foreign governments to selectively report on certain events and make up fake news stories. Furthermore, the Obama administration... Uh, pay CNN for editorial control over some of their content. Mm -hmm. What do you think of that? Huh? Back in March uh, 2011, CNN sent a four-person team to Bahrain to cover the Arab Spring. Once there, the crew was the subject of extreme intimidation, among other things, but they were able to record some fantastic footage. Huh. As Glenn uh, Guardian writes, Blockbuster article. This, this, is, this is not what I thought it was going to be. Um, this, is a, this is a little 
Oh, there's Alex Jones. Yeah, I, 
I think for me, it's frustrating journalistically, and it scares me for the future of the survival of journalism's sake. Because as journalists, we can't pick and choose when or when not to tell the truth. We always have to be truth seekers and trying to expose the truth on on every level. And and eventually, when I was at uh, when I was at CNN, eventually it got almost impossible to get stories on about Bahrain. And then in June, our documentary. Uh, the 20 minutes of it was a pretty stark report on, on the abuse in Bahrain. It aired in the U.S. for one day, but it never aired to its target audience, and that's on CNN International in Bahrain. And, Alex, I started getting uh, employees at CNN, longtime employees, approaching me saying, you should investigate this. This is very suspicious. Something's going on here. And we found out that, um, which was really, I, I felt defrauded as a journalist, we found out that at the same time, I was being detained and risking my life to expose the Bahrain regime. CNN International is taking money from them in exchange for producing content that it airs on CNN International, content disguised as news. I mean, one of these programs, the reporter, uh, Richard Quest, was reporting live from Bahrain for a week and, uh, on a program called iLIST, and that program uh, made Bahrain seem progressive. And, and like the, the Crown Prince was a reformer. And, and as an employee at CNN, I was never told that this was going on. Also, viewers are not being told that CNN is being paid by state regimes, some with horrific human rights records, to air content disguised as news, which they're often not even telling Incredible. The, the viewers that this content was paid for by governments. And Alex, on a journalistic level, this is horrific.
calculate. She hit $4 million at noon. She started it up at 1.30 that, the day before. Okay. That is 22.5 hours. Divide $4 million by 22.5, that comes out to $177,000 an hour. That she was making. Well, well that's, that's, that's enough of that. A few We're people, right few people chipped in during the day and added a little to the top of what was uh, bought. But that, that, but, uh, but that was kind of interesting. Yeah. All right. So uh, anyway. That was that. So interesting to note that uh, George Soros got his hands in everything. Yep. Dirty hands and everything. Green Party, you you name it. Yeah. Uh, everything. Everything over there. Uh, cancer industry profits locked in by uh, Nagalese molecule injected into humans via vaccines. Uh, it causes cancer. Uh, yeah, that's uh, natural news. Uh, the, the, the vaccines give cancer. Yeah. All right. So it, it's a it's like, the misery industry. Yeah. Real cancer industry profits by locked-in Nagalese molecule injected into humans via vaccines, which spurs tumor growth. Nice. Yeah. Huh. Uh, here's a good question. How can Obama, who earned $3.2 million in eight years, afford three mansions worth $25 million? <coughs> On that, we should close our show. It's yeah. After 9 o'clock. Well, oh, you got you got to wonder, actually. You gotta, you yeah, gotta that's wonder. something for people to think about. And All it's right. really been nice talking to your folks. And I hope tomorrow brings some sunshine and a better day. All right. Well, anyway, have a wonderful night. And uh, again, Lila, our 10th anniversary, 10 years on Blog Talk. All right. Good night, folks. And it's still going. See you later, folks. <laughs>